Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Post Riders Pony Express podcast, our new general interest, general discussion, general topic podcast. Uh, I'm Mike Levito, the Post Riders editor in chief, and I'm joined by Lars Emerson. Hi, Mike. I'm excited and, to be here. Oh, and you're excited to interrupt my introductions as well. And <laughs> Lewis Ryan. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah, this is our podcast. Like I said, kind of just like a general, just one. It's going to be pretty free form, topic wise, structure wise. And so for this first episode, we decide to talk about what else but uh, Godzilla versus Kong. The, the latest installment in Legendary Pictures is MonsterVerse, coming after, of course, the 2014 Godzilla film, 2017's Kong Skull Island, and then 2019's Godzilla King of Monsters. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, it, it's all in the title there, right? It is about uh, sort of this clash between Godzilla versus King Kong through a, a very sort of convoluted series of events where Godzilla is being triggered by this company that's developing some kind of a thing that's making him angry. And his company also wants King Kong to lead them to a power source at the center of the Earth. It leads to them clashing. I'm not really going to like delve into the plot too too much right now because I don't really know that it's worth unpacking. Uh, but what's interesting about this movie is that it is currently the fourth highest grossing film of 2021. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> and it is also... It, yes. Whoa. And it was, for a time, the most successful launch streaming launch on hbo max until mortal kombat came out so this movie made money and got a lot of eyeballs I, this was also the first movie for what it's worth that i saw in theaters uh since like you know 20 march of 2020 but uh let, i'm curious for your guys's initial thoughts on this movie i have a very sort of like passion for for godzilla in these kinds of movies, but I'm curious what your outsiders' feelings are about this. Do, do you want me to talk about expectations going in first, like our yeah, sure. So I was I was interested to see this movie. I've I've seen the other MonsterVerse movies in the theater. You know, obviously it got delayed because of COVID. It was actually directed by someone who went to my alma mater, Full Sail University, Adam Wingard. So I was excited to see it for that reason. And when it went on to HBO Max, I I was debating whether to go to the theater or watch it on HBO Max, but then I never ended up seeing it in either <laughs> direction until it came back on HBO Max recently. Yeah, so I, I was excited to see it, but I never got around. I wasn't excited enough to go see it in its initial release. So that, that was me going into it. I feel that, Lewis. My my experience with Godzilla. So I've never seen any MonsterVerse movie other than I was kind of telling Mike, it's like I saw the middle part of, I think, the first one where they're in Las Vegas and there's like a monster going to destroy <laughs> Sin City. But I have seen some of the old school Godzilla movies actually in like Japanese class because the you know there's not a lot of like humans in it. So it was pretty easy for our teacher to put on and be like, can you like loosely translate what's happening? It's like, yes, actually, it was pretty easy. That's smart. Yeah. I think he just wanted to watch Godzilla. So, you know, I like the idea of Godzilla uh, in that kind of sense and in the original sense. And I was excited to see how this would I did not have high expectations going in to this one because it seemed a little more 
commercial and uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. The, the artistry was lacking. <laughs> right, as opposed to the giant puppets and stuff, yeah. They're not puppets, that are men in rubber suits, so. Oh, right. It's yeah, a different, uh, different kind of craftsmanship here. Yeah. It is, yeah. So, well, I guess that's the question then, right? Is this, did, did this movie work for you guys? Did you like it? Did you not like it? You know. No. <laughs> no, this movie did not work for me. I might be in the minority in, like, um... In saying that, I think the Godzilla 2014 is my favorite of the four MonsterVerse movies. I don't know no, if that's... No, I, I, I agree with that. Based on that one-third of it I saw, I also agree. Because, <laughs> like, uh, so I like I like Godzilla. I like the way it was very, like, down-to-earth, human point of view on the whole thing. Uh, I'll just go through this very quickly. And then Kong Skull Island was a lot of things thrown together in a movie. And Godzilla King of the Monsters was... On the one hand, it was like, yeah, it was a better kaiju movie, but then there was like a human story that made me like want to claw my eyes and ears out. <laughs> and this, this I think, falls somewhere in the middle of that bell curve, being like a sort of Kong Skull Island sort of mixed bag for me, I feel. That's my sort of general reaction to it. I don't want to say like I, I hated it because I wasn't like God- I want to just turn this movie off right now, but it was a lot of like, okay. <laughs> so f- for the first like half hour of this movie, they do a lot of, um, cause there are recurring characters from the previous one, right? Yeah. 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 That is correct. Um, so they do a lot of kind of rehashing and like universe connecting. And I was like, Oh God, I'm, I actually am pretty excited to go watch these movies before. I like the whole, like, you know, the, the opening sequence is like, they show like what happened with Godzilla and, it's a very like cool kind of opening like credit sequence about like the lore and like what already happened. And then they go into this whole like <laughs> secret underground earth thing. And then I like completely lost any interest in the lore of this universe. I was like, this is just so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that that's like a problem I have with it. And I think that was a problem I had with Kong Skull Island is that it's supposed to be like the real world. Right. But it's like it was worse than Kong Skull Island because it was like this is 1970, like the height of the Vietnam War. But it's like we got these underground facilities dealing with kaiju and it was, it was just like a lot of that. So it's hard to like feel sucked in when it's like this super fantastical world, even in our current technological focused reality. It's just a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the. Um... <laughs> The the long underground tunnel from Pensacola to Hong Kong did not feel very realistic. Uh, I, yeah, I, this is definitely for me the third like num like if I'm ranking the MonsterVerse movies one through four, this is definitely like number three for me. I think that definitely Godzilla 2014 number one, then probably Kong Skull Island number two, and then King of Monsters. Like you said, Lewis, like Kyle Chandler is in both King of Monsters and in Godzilla versus Kong, and he is like puts in maybe two of the worst performances I've like ever seen in a movie. Like he is just so bad in these well, movies. <laughs> he's like barely in Godzilla vs. Kong. So I was just like, yeah, if they're going to pay you to do absolutely <laughs> nothing, Kyle Chandler, just show up. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's still just, just not good. I like, it's not that he's given great material to work with either. So I don't know that I can really fault him for yeah. all or even most of it, but he's um, just bad. What was your reaction when the credits started 
like the main titles and it's like the second name that comes up is Millie Bobby Brown. I was sort of like, Oh, Oh no. <laughs> not that I, I not, that I, not that I don't like her, but it's just like, she's like a human lead in like this movie eh, a kid. I didn't really have a big react. I, I honestly didn't notice. I was not paying attention to the human name. Well, I knew she was in King of Monsters. So like, you know, there was precedent for her being in it. Like, I feel like, what's his name? The guy from Hunt for Wilder People being inserted into it is probably, like, a more inexplicable just kind of addition, and he's, like, fine, but I don't know. Julian Dennison is his name. Who's also in Deadpool 2. Yeah, well, that, that, yes. This leads me to, I guess, one of the questions I slated for later. It's like, were there any, like, human characters we felt were, like, good or that, like, were worthwhile or was it was it on a whole was it just kind of like was everything that involved like people just kind of like feel completely sort of just like ridiculous and 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 just totally uninteresting? So <laughs> mostly yes. I, I think the only human character I found remotely interesting is actually kind of the bad guy, <laughs> uh, the guy who runs um, Apex. Apex. Yeah. I, 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 Do you get name, it? Yes, I get it. His name his name escapes me. I, I the wish actor they kind of... is Demian Bashir. The character is Walter Simmons. Thank you. Is is I, I wish they would have gone a little more into him because he has kind of the most. In, I feel like this movie kind of has a Batman v Superman problem actually, where it's like it's about Batman v Superman, but it's actually not. Like there's actually other problems. <laughs> And like they add in villains in the middle and then they throw in a big villain at the end. And I feel like focusing more on Apex. I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm on Apex's side this entire movie. Like, yeah, I know they're messing with stuff that shouldn't be messed with, but their whole like logic makes total sense. Right. Is the plot of the movie is basically that they're building. They're afraid because there are these monsters who, unlike Godzilla, are not in humanity's interest. Right. Well, you concede that. <laughs> yeah. So, so they have decided, okay, we should probably have like a defense system. That seems fair. We're not going to send it out. We're just going to build it. Just going to sit here on the coast in Florida. <laughs> and then Godzilla gets pissed and then he attacks them. Godzilla's the one who takes out a preemptive strike on humanity. Like what? I'm on Apex's side. I don't care. But Godzilla's just an animal. So, you know, but he's clearly very smart. Well, he can sell yeah. a robot the humanity of uh, the Earth away. God, Godzilla, I think he has been portrayed in these movies as having more than a mod- modicum of intelligence and agency. Like, like, <laughs> my, my point is, at no point does Apex actually do anything evil before Godzilla attacks them, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know, Lars. You're, you've like. <laughs> like that part of my brain was not engaged yeah no, the, the pro corporation part oh, this, okay i'm this, sorry this <laughs> i'm this this movie in turn was like it was like all spectacle to me it like mm-hmm. it just happened like a fever dream so i was like not even thinking of like the thematic or like moral or ethical implications of anything at all it was all just like so, one thing sorry i expected too much from a movie <laughs> I'm on Lewis's side where I really actually did not care at all about, like, the human. I was stoked. So it turns out that the thing that they're building is Mechagodzilla, which if you are a Godzilla fan, you know, Mechagodzilla is, like, one of his arch enemies. And it was very exciting to find out that he was going to be in this movie and blah, blah, blah. 
But I, outside of the fact that it led to Mechagodzilla, I could not have cared less about the Apex subplot. Even though, uh, that that's the, like, the tension of, like, every kaiju movie, right? Is that you have to have some kind of human storyline to move the plot along, but nobody ever actually cares about it. I did like the part when Walter, Walter Siemens uh, <laughs> is monologuing, and then he just gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> Because that might have been just like them acknowledging that nobody nobody cares at this point. Right. Well, it all it also feeds back into sort of the original kind of nuclear weapon allegory of like the original Godzilla movies, which is that like you know they they build this highly destructive weapon that they end up not being able to control, and then it gets loose and wreaks havoc across Hong Kong, and then sort of. The, the, the good Godzilla and the good Kong have to defeat the evil creation of man. Sure. But I, I think where this film, in contrast to some of the older Godzilla movies, falls a little flat, and I said as much in my letterbox review, is like like you said, it's supposed to be about like the follies of human nature and like what they've done to their planet. But like this movie that kind of so specifically like expunges humans from any kind of cause and effect, right? The humans are basically sideshows this entire time. And yes, they make you know, the Mecha Godzilla, but that's at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else that happens is kind of uh, ancillary to that. Uh, I mean, they, they're the ones who who take King Kong out of Skull Island and want to use him as basically like a like a truffle pig to try and find whatever <laughs> it is they want to find at the, at the center of the Earth. So, you know, they, they are disrupting the natural order of things. Uh, yeah, I guess I mean more on the Godzilla side of things. Sure. Uh, whatever they're doing with Kong is stupid. That plot I, is stupid. I, I never understood what was happening in that sort of uh, in that plot line. The Kong half of it with Rebecca Hall and Alexander Scar. I didn't understand what they were doing from the get go. So I mean, it, to, to go back to your question, that's how I felt about those, that human storyline is that I just didn't understand what mm-hmm. they were doing. And then in the Millie Bobby Brown and podcaster fight the big corporation. <laughs> um, that was kind of annoying. Yeah, well, it's it's this, this movie is also very weird too, where it's like the the conspiracy theorist podcaster is like a hero, and then also the the Earth is actually hollow. Like it's like it like vindicates right. hollow Earth theorists too. Like that's a very weird sort of like. Uh, I don't know. The, the the human's ideology is very weird in this movie. Yeah. I, I also like how Apex has no idea that Bernie, the podcasting character, who does not disguise his voice or anything, <laughs> like, yeah. and he's clearly walking around the planet taking photos and like talking to people, they have no idea that it's him, right? Yeah. Whatever. It's it's a deep psyop, Lars. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> sure, sure. So you, you alluded earlier, Lewis, that like, obviously we, we were talking about how much we, we, we were just talking about all the human storylines while we were also talking about how much we didn't care about them. But you said you wanted this movie just as spectacle. Did you feel that it worked as spectacle? Well, that's what I was saying, because you said this was the first movie you had seen in a theater. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I was just watching it like on my laptop. And because I remember you saying it was like so good when you saw it. And it was like, to me, it just was like, I'm not seeing what... Mike described or what I recalled in my recollection how you described it. So I was like, man, I think I'm missing something watching it like this on my my computer in between watching uh, YouTubers make food and funny cat videos on the Internet. I, I, I feel like that was part of the experience I was missing. I don't know if Lars felt the same way if the film 
I felt I felt like it would have been better if I had seen it in a theater by even a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we can excuse the plot, but I would have been a little more interested in the theater. I, I think part of the problem with this one is it's filmed at like the Titan scale or Kaiju scale. And the only other parts of Godzilla movies I've seen are all filmed at human scale. And you're looking up, right? And I think some of the like, like Pacific Rim is not like a particularly good movie, but it's an easy comparison. Is like a lot of that is shown from like the de- the ground up as you see the giant robot stepping over the town whereas this is all it's it's like the humans are ants in this movie you know what i mean well going back to what you said lars where it felt like there wasn't really that much of a human cost i feel like the humans weren't even ants it's like they weren't even like there in like destruction scenes it was just like like they're destroying hong kong and you forget that it's full of people well i get there's no indication that it's full of people you're just like watching Millie Bobby Brown just stare out a window and it's like, right. I, I guess she's the only one here. A window <laughs> up on a hill, by the way, like not even in the city. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. Yes. Excuse me. This movie definitely does work better in a theater. Um, and then I watched it again for this podcast on a TV and even on like, you know, a, a, a reasonably big TV, like it did not have the same effect. So yeah, it's something you see in theaters and like, as far as, like, what, what what I did appreciate about, like, the 2014 Godzilla was that it kind of played with that perspective a little bit. Like, there was stuff on the ground and then stuff at the kaiju scale as well. But it's, like, sort of, like, the earlier stuff you saw was through, you know, news reports or things like that. There's, like, the very famous Halo drop scene that I think is really effective. And this one, it's, like, I feel like the closest they come to that is, like, there are a couple shots where it's, like, you kind of, like see Godzilla or Kong like through aircraft like an aircraft window or whatever but they do that like two or three times and it's like okay at some point this is just like not as you know I've already seen it before like this is just not as effective anymore so yeah they kind of I guess didn't really do as much as they could and it does feel a lot more just like it's just it's more of like a a theme park ride than I feel like the 2014 Godzilla was which is, you know, I think is what most people are looking for in this kind of movie, but it makes it a little less fulfilling on a smaller screen. Yeah, agreed. Cool. So did you guys have, like, a favorite part of this movie? Like, is there anything that you were like, you know what, this was really well done? <laughs> um, when Kong's sitting in his monkey house. <laughs> monkey throne? No, I'm just I, w- I was waiting for the part when he was sitting on the throne with the, like, scepter. I was waiting for, like, Rebecca Hall to go up and be like, King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him to be, like, sitting there, and then, he, like, he grabs a giant banana from a bucket. <laughs> um, I-, I think the best scene is probably when they're on the boats, which is in, like, the first half hour of the movie, I want to say. But, like, it's, like, they've got Kong on this boat. And Godzilla attacks the boat, and the boat flips upside down, and at some point Kong throws an airplane at Godzilla. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the most, like, well-done scene. Uh, I'll say that the second half was better than the first half. I just feel like it was more of just the delivering on the title, which, you know, I can't really fault the movie for. Because it just gave you Godzilla vs. Kong, and then they threw Mechagodzilla in, too. So I feel like, I guess they delivered more than they promised. Um, I feel like they're maybe, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I can't remember much of the Mechagodzilla fight, so it either must be really short or not as memorable, so I guess I would have had it 
more of Mechagodzilla in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I feel I feel like the structure should have been like I don't know. It's like they fight each other. Mechagodzilla defeats them when they're sort of like you know not together. Then they realize they have to come together and defeat Mechagodzilla in some what, other setting. What is this? The Avengers? What are you doing, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm just, not... <laughs> I'm just saying. That's how I would have paced it. I, I, yeah. The, I feel like the, the whole, the whole scene with the fleet is probably like as inventive as they got with being like, oh, they can like balance on boats and stuff, and yeah, show them underwater. Yeah. Well, it's um, like we've never seen King Kong on a boat before, even though that was yeah. like a thing in well the King Kong movies. But it's like you never saw him on a boat. Yes, <laughs> it was just implied. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. So that that was pretty neat. I, I I did think the Hong Kong sequence pretty much delivered on on what on on the title, like you said, Lewis. I thought it was pretty well done, or as well done as it could have been in that in, for this movie. The ha- but how about like a worst part? We we talked a lot about sort of the underwhelming to uninteresting to nonsensical human plots. Was there anything else that we found particularly egregious? Yes, the, the entire Hollow Earth idea Ooh. is so egregious <laughs> to use your word mike it bothered me so much i just thought it was so stupid and i was like they that's when i think they want to think they want the audience to think that's when everything's the coolest right because they show kong jumping around in gravity and touching purple rocks and sitting on his big chair and eating his giant bananas and the like weird like laser show as you go through the gravity <laughs> it doesn't make any sense just like you know, scientifically, obviously, but I also just think they like pushed it so far to be like, this is the coolest part of this movie, but it, I, it's not, it's not interesting at all. I'll disagree. It was the coolest part of the movie. <laughs> and I'm sorry in uh, a world with lizards affected by atomic explosions, <laughs> giant three headed dragon aliens from outer space, that this was a bridge too far for you, Lars. It was <laughs> the part of the movie. I, I, to be clear, I'm not critiquing it because it's not physically possible i'm critiquing it because they did it they they put too much energy into it they spend so much time being like we have to bring king kong to this place so that he can go in the hole and then we'll just follow him and then he goes in there and walks around and eats a giant monster and yeah well i guess in in, in that respect it doesn't really there's no real payoff to it right and then And then he, like, charges his axe on the ground, and then oh, the little the soldier walks up and sticks the little, like, vial in the ground. And then all of a sudden they can transmit the entire energy, like, up. Because it's anti-gravitational. Like, they don't have to route a cable or something. <laughs> See, this is the problem, Lars. You're, you're, like, probably literally describing exactly what happens, and I think you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't believe you. Uh yeah it i i also did not like the whole hollow like i just feel like they spent too much time there and i just didn't think it was that cool like it it just it felt like something from like a weird like prog rock album cover like it just did not like work for me yes it was cool (laughs) but i also don't really like prog rock so you know when when have you ever seen anyone walk out of a movie and be like wow that's just like a wilco album (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question i don't know that i have maybe out of uh i am trying to break your heart which is actually a movie about wilco but yeah i don't know it just did not work but i did appreciate how they literally dug a hole to china like you know 
Well, other than the train from Pensacola to China. Yeah, so two people did it. You know, right. I thought that I thought that was like when I thought about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But a, a train that I suppose goes under the entire Pacific Ocean, including <laughs> the Marianas well, Trench. Now that I think about to, it, <laughs> to be fair, they are trying to build like a real hyperloop in like reality, but not like that. Not under the trench. I mean, that's like multiple Mount Everest steep. How did they do this? That's like that's so unbelievable. <laughs> well, there is, I, and I'm trying to remember. I've, it's been a while since I saw King of Monsters, but it's like there is a thing where there are like other underwater tunnels where the other Titans live, so maybe they took advantage of those. I don't really remember. <laughs> or they harnessed Godzilla and they were like, dig. <laughs> yeah, maybe they had help from Ibira, Horror of the Deep. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. Or Megalon, who is a burrower. Or Manila. <laughs> Or he doesn't dig. Why not just fly there on Mothra? That's what I don't get. Because I think Mothra dies in King of Monsters. Mothra always dies and then is reborn in yeah. the next movie in a cocoon. And there's two twins that talk and communicate. Yes. Anyways, my least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry <laughs> as the podcaster was probably my least favorite. Probably because of the reasons you said, Mike, where it's like he's like the hero or protagonist, but he also has like wrong like opinions, like weird conspiracy <laughs> opinions about like everything. And like he and Millie Bobby Brown are just like, boy, you're stupid for drinking the water with fluoride. That's how the governments control you. And at no point are they ever like really challenged on any of these things. <laughs> right. They're the hero. Yeah. So it's like hard to. So I guess I guess they're right. They're just right about everything. This is a world where the governments are evil and corrupt. The government isn't isn't even in this movie. That's another thing <laughs> I had a problem with is that it's just monarch and apex. It's like, where's the president? Where's Congress? What's Vladimir Putin doing during all of this? <laughs> they are on, you know, Navy ships. They are on the ships. The military look, is involved. They look like Navy ships. They, it's clearly like jet jet fighters and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they and, look like it. <laughs> Guess, it is uh, definitely the like it's like a military escort is what they sound like because there's like a general there's a general in this movie no well if it's on a ship it's an admiral well thank you but a admiral <laughs> admiral wilcox is like a character he's the guy from the wire right uh yes mm -hmm. oh lance reddick yeah i saw yeah. his name in the credits but did he have any lines he I did no 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 sorry lance reddick plays gearman or, oh, he's the director of Monarch. Giller, Gillerman. He he and, has like two lines. Yeah, Admiral Wilcox is played by Hakeem Kazim. But see, th there's the government, Lewis. <laughs> but I, I agree with your point about the podcaster. I, I don't. It's it's very annoying that they like romanticize a straight up conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and like yeah. people that do podcasts are like weird. <laughs> yeah, and unlikable. That's hey, true. he's probably got more subscribers than we do. <laughs> He also is probably like a Pizzagate guy is the problem. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. I, I agree. He also bathes in bleach, apparently, which is insane. Yeah, I don't know how he's not dead. The yeah. fluoride thing actually really bothers me. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> it's, it's, I forgot that Millie Bobby Brown like completely agrees with him and it just flies. Well, it's interesting, too, because in the in, in King of Monsters, like Millie Bobby Brown's mother is like an eco-terrorist. So it seems like she's kind of on like the same path. Yeah, this, um, this film has, like, a weird relationship with if 
uh, Vera Farmiga's character from the last movie was like a good person or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm. she was. No. Because <laughs> she was like, I'm going to release all the Titans and kill all the humans to make nature return. Which, yeah. I, I, I guess know that's can... how that ended. Yeah, it was, it was a weird. It, it's a weird thing in the last movie because it's like she just tells everyone this is her plan in like a, a video message that she like sends them. And the movie thinks it's supposed to be like, like you're, you're supposed to agree with her. Or like that's what the movie wants you to do. But like I, it doesn't make any sense why anyone, any human would agree like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are people who, you know who think that, uh, who are, who are pro like population degrowth and who think that, you know, humans should voluntarily extinct themselves. But in terms of like action movie logic, <laughs> yeah, if you have a character say that they're usually the bad guy. You know, I, I think, movies. I think she's pretty clearly the villain in King of Monsters. Obvi- I think Millie Bobby Brown's behavior in this movie makes it a little like fuzzier, but in that movie, she's clearly the villain. Yeah. Well, I was, I was talking more about how like Brian Tyree Henry, because, like, he recognizes her. She gets, like, recognized all the time because of her mom. Is it her mom or because of her dad? Because he's head of... Well, he's not head, but he's, like, he's at Monarch. I think it's her mom. Is they keep asking her, it's like, oh, my God, you're her daughter. And wow. therefore, she should be allowed to talk to everyone in this movie. Because that's how <laughs> she, like, manages to sneak into, like, Apex's headquarters. They're like, oh, my God, I know exactly who you are. Like, great. Maybe that's the reason not to let her in the building. <laughs> See, I, I completely missed all of that. I, I like, I, the whole, t- it was just, like, it's bad when a movie, when it's like, what am I supposed to feel? Like, that's what you don't want. That's, like, why movies are directed. They're, like, directing you to feel this way, feel that way. So, I like, the whole movie, I was like, how am I supposed to feel about her character or, like, how they react to her character? I was just confused. <laughs> I like this. We're slowly beating Mike down. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to like necessarily defend this movie. I you know, it is not a work of art, but it's something I enjoyed when I saw um, it in the theater. I will say I appreciated that they tried doing a, a dual narrative thing where they're both in parallel the whole time cuz you don't really see that much in these big movies anymore. They like tried it and it like it worked in that I could clearly like separate them. But um I feel like this movie takes a very pro-Kong point of view. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I, I, well, I have some issues with here, I'm very pro-Godzilla. Here's the yeah. thing. I, I, I like Kong in this movie, but it's because of the way they designed Kong. He has, like, a very human face with human reactions but, and but eyes. But so does Godzilla. Godzilla has human eyes in this movie and not lizard eyes. It's very annoying. Well, I, I didn't really notice Godzilla's eyes until, like, the very end because Godzilla has really, like, stubby, sunken-in eyes. And he's not given a lot of close-ups. So I feel, and Godzilla is usually portrayed very objectively. I want to say across the franchise, he's usually viewed more from like an outsider. Like very rarely, it's like this is Godzilla's POV, you know. So I feel like uh, as an audience member, you can't help but just naturally be on Kong's side the whole time because he doesn't have sort of a human face with human reactions until. There was the ending, which I agree. He, you could see like his eyes for the first time, but like you're on Kong's side most of the time. Yeah, my my theory is that is that dog people are more likely to gravitate towards Godzilla because I feel like he's very dog-like. I I gravitate towards God. I I disagree. I think God, <laughs> I, Godzilla yeah, I, is I, way I, more cat-like. He comes into a city and knocks stuff over. <laughs> 
I, I disagree with that, Mike, because I'm a dog person and I was on Kong's side. But maybe that's just the humanist in me. <laughs> Theory disproven, I guess. <laughs> I'll have to throw out all this research now. Um, <laughs> well, that's not disproven. It just stays a theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But you maybe, yeah, maybe you're just a variable um, or an outlier, rather. So, yeah, this movie. So, OK, so it seemed like initially when I'm doing some reading on this, that this was planned to be like the last MonsterVerse movie. But it sounds like that it's done so well that it seems likely that they're going to make more. Oh, do do what, what would you want to see in a future MonsterVerse movie? And would you even go see another MonsterVerse movie? Uh, yeah. I did like when they brought King Kidora back. Because I just like the idea that Kidora is like Godzilla's arch enemy. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's just something felt very natural about that dynamic. I wish there was more of that in this because there's a whole thing with King, King Kidora and Mechagodzilla. So I'd like to see a return of King Kidora because like, I like that character a lot. And I feel like it was kind of not done as well in King of the Monsters. So if they could bring King Kidora back, I'd see that. I mean, but other than just, like, introducing or, like, bringing back, like, iconic characters from, like, Godzilla movies, I'm not sure if there's a lot more they can do to drag me into the theater to see the next one. I, I agree. I only watched this because I was asked to for this podcast. I did not want to be left out. Uh, and I would not. I will go back and probably watch the first Godzilla movie. It sounds like I will not be watching the second one. But I would not show up to. I, I mean, what are they going to do? What what could they do next, right? Godzilla vs Kong two? Didn't they kill off all of the? Didn't you guys just say they killed off a ton of characters in the last one? No, yeah. they just they don't kill them. They just send them back underground. Oh, well, oh, that's what I want—a Hollow Earth movie. Perfect. <laughs> like to be honest, I thought didn't Godzilla die in King of the Monsters? Didn't he like melt? Clearly not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wait, that's why what? I was confused. That well, the the Godzilla's about to melt is like a very common theme in like a lot of like you know thirty some odd Godzilla movies that have ever been made. But, but go on, Lewis. They they killed off. I agree with Lars. Like they killed off Rodan and Mothra and King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. They brought in Mechagodzilla, who's you know dead, but obviously it's a robot. They can bring him back. But um, who's left in the pantheon of characters? Because they kind of like brought back all the the heavies. The only thing yeah. really left to do is sort of like Godzilla versus Gamera, and that's like <laughs> a different studio's character. So, yeah. and I don't know how interesting that would be, in all honesty, because it's just, I mean, everyone, people know Gamera, but I don't know if there's enough of a, a story there to like make it interesting who, for audiences who, to go see. Who is M- Muto? Muto, that's that's like those are the monsters that Godzilla fights in the first movie. Yeah, the first. 2014 they're yeah they were introduced in the 2014 one they're just um they're really like generic uh characters for godzilla to fight throughout the whole movie gotcha yes i feel like the only way they can really go is to bring um mecha Ghidorah into it which is where they uh which is what i thought they were gonna do because in, in king of monsters you know Ghidorah gets his head lopped off in the center, which in the Toho films leads to Mecha King Ghidorah, where he has a uh, a, a, met, a metal head in his his of his three heads, the middle one is robotic, um, and he has all these other fancy upgrades as well. Um, I think that would be 
I think that's really the only one you could do without it getting, like, really, really dumb. Because, like, Guy Gan is a great character for, like, a can't be 60s movie. He is a very bad character for, like, a modern movie. Same thing with Megalon. Uh, same thing with, like you said, a beer a horror of the deep. <laughs> same thing with, like, Batra. There's there's just really not a whole lot. More. Like, there are, like, loads and loads and loads more Godzilla characters. I don't think there are any that would, like be a worthwhile re I don't think there's a worthwhile reimagining for any of them. You you I think it's kind of like Mechagodor or Bust. And as far as King Kong goes, I also don't really know what else he would do. Unless you, his adventures in the center of the earth, I don't know. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I, I forgot about Mechagodora. So I think I think now that you mentioned it, I think that is definitely enough for a new one. But beyond that, I don't know. Besides just doing, like, sort of all monsters attack, like, just bring in all of them for Godzilla to fight. But I don't know how much of that audience can take. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- that, and that's what, like, disappointed me about King of Monsters is that, like, yes, they have Rodan and Mothra and Ghidorah. But they also allude to, like, 20 other monsters who have been unleashed in the world. And they don't really show any of them. And... I like I get why, but at the same time, it was just kind of like a total letdown that they alluded to all these other ostensibly interesting characters, and they just never bothered to explore them at all. Well, in theory, could not they just start making up their own monsters? I mean, I, maybe they did. it's just because I'm a little ignorant and don't know the extended lengths of the Godzilla monster list, but like, I, I feel like your average viewer is not going to care if you invent, like, Michael Monstera or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, like Mike and I were saying, they did invent their own monsters. The the Mutos from the 2014, which I don't I don't think anyone in particular really loves because they're really just sort of generic. There's sort of a well, so make up something better. Well, that that's the thing is that like I a feel, sea monster. Well, like that's uh, a Bira or that's a Bira. A Bira and uh, Manda as well. Okay, or space monster. I don't know. King Kidora. <laughs> Mothra. Well, that's the thing is like so half of all Godzilla Godzilla villains are in fact space monsters. It's like the plot of like many Godzilla films is that there's an alien race who wants to take over the world and they're gonna do it by sending a monster from space to to kill everybody, but then Godzilla defends everybody. And I don't I don't think you can make that work in one of these movies unless you tie it into like a Mecha King Ghidorah plot. It would be interesting to launch Godzilla into space and he goes to an alien planet. It'd be <laughs> What? <laughs> Strap him to a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Planet Hulk, but for Godzilla. Right. Well, I, what I was going to say is I feel like um, it's like these these characters that we all like, they were created by, like, Japanese film studios in the 60s when it was, like, sort of geared towards, like, kids and making, like, entertaining, kid-friendly movies and the way Godzilla's made now where it's, like, sort of serious. I don't know if there's sort of, like, that creativity behind the scenes to create new characters and also why would you create new characters you spend all this money on the license for godzilla to bring it to america so i don't see any reason why they they should invest money in creating new characters when they they have the whole catalog back catalog to use that's true maybe the answer you just do you just you bring matthew broderick not matthew broderick brendan fraser back and just make a sequel to that movie instead no i think you're right matthew broderick from the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie. Oh, it is. I, I think it's Brendan Fraser. I, I thought yes. you guys were going to like include like the mummy with. Uh... <laughs> That's what I think Mike was going to do too. <laughs> That'd be cool. Bring Frankenstein in. Oh, sorry, Frankenstein's monster. There Instead is. Of... <laughs> there 
or I think Toho did have a version of Frankenstein that was like giant. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say instead of Brendan Fraser, what about just Fraser? <laughs> Hello, Godzilla. <laughs> I'm. I mean, yeah. He... We've already had a podcaster. What about a radio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, I don't know. Do Do we have anything else to say about Godzilla vs Kong? Any closing thoughts on this film? Like I said, the fourth highest grossing film worldwide. <laughs> of 2021 can can you name the the other three high films that grossed higher in 2021 yes this is worldwide is black widow one black widow is number five it yeah. does is free guy count because that's been very successful playing in the uh films. not according to the wikipedia page i'm currently looking at oh fast nine. Oh yeah yeah, that's number two. The other two are like both, I believe, Chinese movies that uh, we would one. The number one is called Hi Mom, and number three is called Detective Chinatown Three. Ooh, uh, I've heard of neither of those movies. So, but but like I said, any any other closing thoughts? Or were we all good on this? No, I'm comfortable never having to address Godzilla again. <laughs> well, on that note, Lars, I think I think you, me, and Mike should watch. Uh, there was a Godzilla film that came out in Japan a couple of years ago called Shin Godzilla, which is very, very good. And I think you would enjoy it a lot, Lars. Are you, uh, are you being serious or is this a trick? I, I am serious because the plot okay. is basically it's like a, a sort of a hard reboot of Godzilla where it's like Godzilla shows up. And it's like it's like basically like uh, an episode of the West Wing if Godzilla <laughs> showed up and it's sort of following like, how do we deal with this problem? It's very, very good. I think it'd be interesting for us to watch that and do another episode on it. I, I, I'd be down. Yeah, I, I could vibe with that. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch that, uh, but I've never gotten the chance to. So that would be another good idea for an episode. All right. Well, until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. My name's Michael Levito. Uh, this is The Pony Express, the first episode of The Pony Express, a Post Rider Network podcast. Uh, my special thanks to Lars Emerson and to Lewis Ryan for joining me. I guess if you're really joining me, you're just kind of also co-hosts. But yeah, you can find this podcast on thepostwriter.com where you can find all tons of other great content. You can find it anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, wherever you listen to them. And that's all it really is. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>